0: Open your Bibles with me. We're going to look at a couple of texts this morning. We're going to start in 1 Peter 5.8 and also get 1 John, 1 John chapter 2. 1 Peter 5.8, 1 John chapter 2. Let's have a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, help us as we open Your Word now and as we study it. Lord, we live in sobering times, troubling times Uh, Lord, help us to find some answers from Your Word right now. In Jesus' name, amen. It does seem like this past year, the second half of the past year, whether it was with the shooting in uh, the Portland Mall or with the theater shooting in Colorado, another shooting in Aurora, Colorado, either last night or today, with the Newtown shooting in Connecticut, with, with all of these things that are going on in America, let alone around the world, you know, they'll find in Mexico, they'll find graves with 100 people in them, where that, a whole village that these drug lords have killed and just buried in a mass grave. Um, that's going on all over the world. How many of you have noticed that it seems like the world is spinning out of control? It just it feels like it's out of control. And then you look at the, the way that the world tries to address the problems. How are they going to answer the problems? I was watching the news this morning and a little boy got suspended from school, six years old, for using his hand like a gun and shooting at somebody. And, you know, I don't, I, I don't know that I, I, I would really um, condemn the school or whatever. Here's what you have. You have lost people trying to deal with the problem of human nature with the law. Have we seen that before? Can law control human nature? No, the law always fails. The law kills. Is that right? We, you know, it's funny, and what, things are handled differently in different parts of the country. I can't remember where that school was where the kid got sent home, but there was another thing on the news this morning. There's a family in Georgia, the father's away at work or whatever. And someone knocks on the door, the mother doesn't answer it, and the guy breaks in. And so the mother has her children, and she calls her husband. And her husband calls the police, and she goes and hides in the crawl space. So this guy starts going through the house, and all of a sudden the crawl space door opens. And she emptied her gun in him. And the sheriff's deputy was saying it with a smile on his face. It is. It, it's interesting, regionally, the way that people think that things ought to be handled. Uh, it, it, the world is in a mess. The world is in a mess. Um, Ann Coulter, you know, how many of you saw that the newspaper in New York published the addresses of all the concealed carry people in their county? How many of you saw that? There was there, there was a judge. They published the judge's address. There was a a narcotics officer who just retired. He got a concealed carry to protect himself. They published his name and his address. There was a lady who'd been stalked for like three years. She finally found peace. They published her name and address, and that night she was awakened all night long with hang-up phone calls. All night long. People are crazy. Ann Coulter said, why don't they publish all the ladies who've had abortions? Then the the people ought to know that because if you know there's a murderer, a child murderer on your street, you might want to know that. Isn't it interesting? Now, as I say that, there are people... And it's so funny. You have the the prophet people like me, and they're going, yeah! Then you have the mercy people going, oh... (laughs) And God's brought all of them here into a church, amen? We need all of us. We need the mercy people to keep us from killing each other. And we need people like us to defend the mercy people, you know? It's, we got to come together, right? We're all here. We all need each other. But it's so interesting to watch. And you know what was so funny? The newspaper started getting threats. They hired armed guards to protect themselves. Again, you've got to take your brain out and play with it to think like these people do. It's, it's, it's crazy. What's the problem? What's the problem with the world? Look at 1 Peter 5 eight. Be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary the devil, as a roaring lion, walketh about, seeking whom he may devour. Now, that is especially for believers in this context. There's no doubt about it. But Satan is called the destroyer. He wants to destroy everyone in the world. Do we all understand that? All right. Now, go with me to 1 John chapter 2. How is he going to do that? 1 John chapter 2, look at verse 15. Love not the world, neither the things that are in the world, If any man love the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For some of the stuff that's in the world... oh, Did I read that wrong? What does it say? All. And what does all mean? (laughs) All means all, and that's all that all means. Is that right? Now look at what it says. For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, and the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life, is not of the Father, but is of the world. So how is Satan going to devour us? Lust of the eyes, lust of the flesh, pride of life. That's how he's going to do it. So now here's what we have. We have an entire world system that has ordered itself against God, and then we wonder why we have godless acts. Is that right? Now, Uh, We understand that from the founding of our country, we've had laws. You're not supposed to kill. Is that right? So now we add hate laws on that. So if I kill Patrick because he lived in Canada, and it's understandable. No, if I I kill Patrick, I'm sorry, Heather. Eh? You know what I'm talking about. I'm against it. (laughs) She's against it. That's right. All right, so now he's not only dead, but now it's a hate crime. But he's still dead. It doesn't matter why you killed him. He's still dead. Is that right? It, it, the thinking of the world, it takes what God's laws, the, the things natural laws, the way that it's described in legalese, it takes those things and it takes it so much farther than can be enforced. That things become crazy. Why? Because you want a moral law while rejecting a moral law giver. Now, there have always been mass killings. As long as there have been men, since the fall, there have been men killing other people. Is that right? That happens. So why is it? Why, when we became civilized, what changed? What changed? The Christianization of society changed it there was an understanding of biblical morality. Whether those people were born again or not, those who were born again, who were in office, they were that salt and light that preserved the culture and preserved the people. Do you all agree with that? There was a moral understanding. So today, people are worried about video games because they think video games will cause kids to kill. Well, they may. If there are no moral underpinnings to help that child process whatever video game they're playing. There, there, there's no structure to it. Uh, let, let me explain something to you. This is really important that you get it. Okay, Nick? This is not dangerous. Well, of course, with my martial arts training, I could kill you <laughs> with this. <right> here. <laughs> This is not dangerous. Is that right? What's dangerous? This. This. Heart of man is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. Who can know it? So now here's the problem. We have a school that understands there's a problem. Right? Kids are killing each other. How many of you agree that kids killing each other is a problem? That's a problem. But you have lost people in that school trying to deal with that by silliness. By silliness. Our government is trying to deal with things through silliness. Why? Because they don't understand Satan. They don't understand a world system that is predisposed against God and against God's people. And what we end up with is a culture that produces killers. Well, let's go to Mark chapter 5. I thought that it would, be re, it would be good to revisit this passage and understand what Jesus Christ can do with a person that's given themselves wholly over to death. Let's see. Now, I do want to say this. This is a true account. It's not an allegory. It's not a parable. This is a true account. This really happened. So we're going to look at what really happened, and then we're going to use it as an allegory for society. So let's look at it. Let's look at Mark chapter 5, verse 1. And they came over unto the other side of the sea, into the country of the Gadarenes. And this is Jesus. And when He was come out of the ship, immediately there met Him out of the tombs. A man... With an unclean spirit, who had his dwelling among the tombs, and no man could bind him, no not with chains, are you already thinking about the society, the lost people, the people who make their place among the people of the dead, and look, no man could bind him, laws aren 't going to do it can 't take care of it physically. I adjure thee by God that thou torment me not for he said unto him come out of the man thou unclean spirit and he asked him what is thy name and he answered saying my name is legion for we are many and he besought him much that he would not send them away out of the country now there was nigh unto them now there was there nigh unto the mountains a great herd of swine feeding And all the devils besought Him, saying, Send us into the swine that we may enter into them. And forthwith Jesus gave them leave. And the unclean spirits went out and entered into the swine, and the herd ran violently down a steep place into the sea. They were about two thousand and were choked in the sea. And they that fed the swine fled and told it in the city and in the country. And they went out to see what it was that was done. And they come to Jesus and see him that was possessed with the devil and he had the and had the legion sitting and clothed and in his what? And they were afraid. And they that saw it told them how it befell to him that was possessed with the devil and also concerning the swine. and they began to pray him to depart out of their coasts. And when he was come into the ship, He that had been possessed with the devil prayed him that he might be with him. Howbeit, just Jesus suffered him not, but saith unto him, Go home to thy friends, and tell them how great things the Lord hath done for thee, and hath compassion on thee. And he departed, and began to publish in Decapolis how great things Jesus had done for him, and all men did marvel. What an amazing passage of Scripture! Now, just as we read it, how many of you, you really saw society in that passage? It, it's, it's unbelievable. Now, it, it does seem like an allegory, doesn't it? But it really happened. So we've got to begin by saying Satan is real. Demon possession is real. Evil is real. We can't wish it away. Jesus Christ is going to destroy it. But right now, there is evil in the world and we cannot just ignore it, bury our heads in the sand and feel like we can talk people out of it. Satan's goal is your destruction. Psychology is at a loss in dealing with the power of Satan. They are faced with guilt, which is a symptom, and are powerless to deal with it other than to suppress or to deny it. And Satan is, society is completely at a loss to deal with evil. They are completely at a loss. So let's look through this text and let's, let's try to get an understanding. The first thing that I want you to see is the terrible conclusion of a life left to its own devices. The terrible conclusion of a life left to its own devices. His name is legion. Now, when he says, we are legion for we are many, how many of you think that would freak you out a little bit? This is real. Now, our problem, one of the problems that we have living in the 20th, 21st century as we read the Bible, how many of you have seen something like that on a movie or TV? How many of you have seen something? Yeah, that's not real. This is real. This is the real thing. And Jesus Christ is there. I want you to see the inevitable result of this path. Can I ask you a question? When this guy, we don't know his name, we'll just call him Legion. When Legion was a little boy and someone asked him, what do you want to do when you grow up? I want to be possessed with 2,000 demons. I I want to live among the tombs and cut myself and scream, run around naked. That's what I want to do. How many of you think that was his goal in life? No. But what happens is a man can start down a path. A young man, a young lady can start down a path and you don't have any idea where that path is going to take you. You see, there's a way that seemeth right unto a man, but the ends thereof are the ways of death. And the problem is those ways are so much more accessible now than they've ever been in the history of the world. He thought he was doing okay. The the, the inevitable result of this path was hopelessness. He's out of control. He's wild. Look at verse 3. Who had his dwelling among the tombs and no man could bind him. No, not with chains. He'd been bound and he'd break those chains away. He's out of control. Completely wild. He's continually tormented. He's miserable. It's like watching these, these rock stars. Nothing is restrained from them. Right? And they're the happiest people you ever see. No, they're miserable. They're Miserable. You see, that type of freedom only brings to hopelessness and sorrow and torment. Not only that, he was self destructive. Look at verse 5. And always, night and day, he was in the mountains and in the tombs, crying and cutting himself with stones. He's miserable and he's self destructive. Any of these shooters? Does this sound like any of those people? How about all of them? Imagine the loneliness. Imagine the despair. This is the terrible conclusion of a life left to its own devices. This path led to wanderings among the people of the dead. Look at verse 3 again. Who had his dwelling among the tombs. It's interesting that people who walk down this path, they are fascinated with death. Death music, death video games, death surrounding them. That's all they're interested in is death. We see it over and over again. The Bible says there's three different kinds of death. The Bible says in, in Hebrews 9.27, it, it appointed unto man once to die, and after this the judgment. That's physical death. If the Lord doesn't return, all of us will die a physical death. Is that right? Then the Bible tells us there's a second kind of death, and it describes it as that, the second death. And that is the lake of fire. Revelation 21.8 says that, that the fearful and unbelieving and abominable and murderers and sorcerers and idolaters and whoremongers shall have their part in the lake which burneth with fire and brimstone, which is the second death. There's a third death, and that's spiritual death. That's spiritual death. Do you know that there are dead people walking around? I see dead people. They're dead people walking around. What are they? They're lost. They're not saved. They are dead spiritually. Ephesians chapter 2 says, And ye hath he quickened who were dead in trespasses and sins. Is that right? So there are three kinds of death in the Bible. There's physical death. There's the second death, which is separation from God forever, after physical death. And then there's a third death, and that is spiritual death. And those are the people that are... uh, If we were going to take this passage and use it as an allegory for society, those people who have their living among the dead, that's everybody that's lost. And so now you have people who are dead spiritually trying to give spiritual advice to other dead people spiritually. How does a dead person help a dead person? They can't. There's no life. There's no ability to do that. And the farther and farther away that we get from God's Word, and the farther and farther our culture goes from the Word of God, the more dead people there are influencing other dead people. What's the result of that? More death. Not only spiritual death, but physical death. It's the result of it. The Bible makes that very clear. So what does this mean? Sin makes you spiritually dead. There's only one way to be made alive. It's through the power of the Holy Spirit, believing in the Lord Jesus Christ. That's it. That's it. Now, there might be somebody in this room. You're dead to life. You're dead to usefulness. You're dead to blessing. Why? Because you've never placed your trust in Jesus Christ alone. Now, you young people, why don't you think about something? Man, I'm really thankful for those of you that are serving the Lord. I'm really thankful for those of you who, whether you're homeschoolers and you take a stand uh, in in your homeschool co-op or online in your class or those of you who go to a Christian school and you take a stand for truth or those of you who go to a public school and you, you try to have Christian friends and you take a stand, I'm thankful for you young people. But I'm also concerned. You know there are a lot of people, a lot of young people who get raised in a Christian home who never trust in the Lord Jesus Christ for their salvation themselves. Your parents can't save you. It's a decision that you have to make. Do you want your life to end up here? And here's the sinful thing. Here's what we do. Well, my life won't end up there. Yeah, this guy didn't think his life would either. Got to look at it. All right. Now, this does not only apply to the occult. Now, how many of you believe this guy was genuinely demon-possessed? Yeah, Me too. Me too. But we have to understand that Satan has so ordered this world. He's called the God of this world. He's the prince of the power of the air. The spirit that now works in the children of disobedience. He's now doing that. Go keep your place in Mark. Go back to First John. I want you to see something. Our same passage, First John chapter 2. Remember our passage in verse 16? For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life is not of the Father, but is of the world. And the world passeth away, and the lust thereof. But he that doeth the will of God abideth forever. Okay, so now, I want everyone to look at their Bibles. We're at 1 John chapter 2, look at verse 18. Little children, it is the last time. And as ye have heard, that Antichrist shall come. Even now are there many Antichrists, whereby we know that it is the last time. You see, there are a lot of people that claim to speak for Christ, but they're not Christ. They are of the devil. That is what is in the world. And I'll tell you what goes through my mind every time I start to preach something like this. Television has so made us out to be crazy. We're the weird ones. So when a preacher stands up and preaches about Satan and preaches about demons and demon possession. He preaches about this world that we are so stereotyped that we're the crazy ones. But can I tell you something? We're not the ones shooting up schools. We're not the ones killing our children. We're not the ones killing our babies and then justifying it. We're not the crazy ones. This world is. But it helps us to walk circumspectly. As wise, not as fools. Redeeming the time, because the days are evil. (laughs) I have this written down. Young people, I mentioned it already. Be careful before you start on a road that you know where it leads. Amen? You guys be careful before you start down a road that you know where it leads. You don't ever know. You don't know how far that's going to go. And how about this? How many of you ever heard of a man having a midlife crisis? You know, gets a Toupee, gets a Corvette. You know, midlife crisis. Now, I don't need a Toupee, but I could use a Corvette. I think God's in that. Now, it's so funny. I got. I need to go rediscover myself. Really? Really? What? Are you lost? Where are you going? <laughs> Where are you going to go to rediscover yourself? Isn't it funny to see some, you know... Now, look, I'll be 50 this year, so please don't be offended by this. It is so funny watching a 50-year-old lady try to dress like a teenager. Sometimes it's kind of gross. (laughs) How many of you know what I'm talking about? And it's so funny that people, adults, ladies, it's so... They'll flip a switch. I don't want to be married anymore. I've been so... I've been so... Put, I've been so oppressed in this life for so long. I need to go out there. And what do they do? They just go into sin and there's no telling where that life is going to end. How many of you have known somebody who's done that? Yeah. How many of you have known a guy that all of a sudden he just loses his mind? Now look, and here's what we think. That's only people in the world. I mean, lots of saved people do that. Why? Because... The same passage we've been talking about. You who are dead in trespasses and sins. The Bible tells us not to walk as those people. Not to... According to the Word of God, a believer can walk and behave and make the same decisions that an unbeliever can. Look where it ends up. Now, hallelujah, a believer's not going to get demon-possessed. Isn't that wonderful? Isn't that wonderful? So, it's not the demons that make you Live like an idiot. It's you. What, is the, what did Jesus say? I can't believe he just called me an idiot. I can't believe it. How many of you know people just act like idiots? They're just, just, you just want to say, that is the stupidest thing I was telling Laura. That sometimes I'm not a very good counselor. I'm glad we've got Dr. Angwin because I'll be sitting there and a couple will say something, and this is what comes out of me before I can catch myself sometimes. Well, that's stupid. Don't do that. How many of you know that's not the best counseling method? I'm learning. I'm growing. But listen to what Jesus Christ said. It's not that which enters into a man that defiles him, but that which proceedeth out of a man. You don't have to be demon-possessed to be defiled. You have a sin nature. We have to recognize that. Be careful the path that you head down. Let's look at another thing here. Number one was the terrible conclusion of a life left to its own devices. His name is Legion. But I like this. The exciting possibility of divine intervention in the most impossible of circumstances. His name is Lord. His name is Lord. Look at, look, look at verse 9. We're back in Mark chapter 5. Look at verse 9. And he asked him, What is thy name? And he answered, saying, My name is Legion, for we are many. And he besought him much, that he would not send them away out of the country. Now there, was a, now there was there, nigh unto the mountains, a great herd of swine feeding. And all the devils besought him, saying, Send us into the swine, that we may enter into them. And forthwith Jesus gave them leave. And the unclean spirits went out and entered into the swine. And the herd ran violently down a steep place into the sea. They were about two thousand and were choked in the sea. First of all, I want you to see that Jesus is drawn to impossible circumstances. Do you know that Jesus Christ, if, if someone had gone to that kid at Sandy Hook, Jesus Christ could have helped that kid. Jesus Christ, the, the shooter out in, in Aurora, Colorado, Jesus Christ could have helped that person. Do we really believe that? Do we really? We have concealed carry classes. We're for self-defense. We wish that there was somebody in that theater who had a gun who could have stopped that guy. We, that's the, what we believe. Is that right? It would have been better for us to take Jesus to him before he got to the theater. We have to understand that. Jesus is drawn to impossible circumstances. Jesus first saw his humanity. I want you to see something. Jesus saw his humanity. Look at verse 2. And when he was... Come out of the ship, immediately there met him out of the tombs a monster. What's it say? A man. Look at verse 8. For he said unto him, Come out of the, the man, thou unclean spirit. Jesus saw him as a man. You see, our problem is we look at these people in culture, in, in our culture and always see them as monsters. They need Jesus Christ. They need Jesus Christ. Now, are there animals that need to be put down like animals? Absolutely. Absolutely. How about we get to them before they become animals? With the Lord Jesus Christ. He didn't look like a man. Sin had made him anything but a man. But Jesus sees us not for what we are, but what we can be by His power and His grace. (laughs) That is so cool. It is amazing what Jesus Christ can do with a life. You know, give him Jacob, the schemer, and he'll give you Israel. Give him Saul, the the, persecutor of the Christians. He'll give you Paul, the apostle. Give him Simon, the swearing fisherman, and he'll give you Simon Peter, the greatest preacher among the disciples. It's an amazing thing what Jesus Christ can do with a life. What does Jesus Christ want to do with your life? It's amazing what he can do. He looks for impossible situations and impossible circumstances. The other thing that I want you to see is Jesus saw the powerlessness of the man. And I think this is something that we forget. Let's look at this. Look at verse uh, 6. But when he saw Jesus afar off, he ran. And what does it say? Worshipped him. But then, and cried with a loud voice and said, What have I to do with thee? So he's worshiping him. And yet, the demons in him now challenge Jesus Christ. He's powerlessness. He's powerless to control himself. I want you to see something again. Look at verse 9. And he asked him, What is thy name? And he answered, saying, My name is Legion, for we are many. Do you know here in this text, I want you to notice something. You can't tell. It's very difficult to tell when the man is speaking and when the demon is speaking. Is that right? It's back and forth. You can see this fight going on in this man that's been put into fiction and we see fictional characters, but this is real. This was really happening. When Jesus comes on the scene, a battle begins in your heart. Even as Christians, when we're in the flesh and we're confronted with the truth of the Word of Jesus Christ, a battle begins in our hearts. And that's what we see going on here. If you're lost today, you know that you need Jesus Christ as your Savior. If you've never trusted in Him, you know that you need Jesus Christ as your Savior. You know that you're miserable in your sins, and Christ presses His claims on you. But this man's completely controlled by the demons. But I want you to see the power of the Savior. The powerlessness of the man, but the power of the Savior. But let's not forget our analogy. The powerlessness of society. The powerlessness of the world, but the power of the gospel of Jesus Christ to influence a man, to influence a person. Look at the power of the Savior. Verse 13. Let's read this verse again. And forthwith, Jesus gave them leave. Do you see that? Jesus gave them leave. They couldn't leave the man with Jesus Christ there, unless He gave them permission. He was in complete control. That's power. That's power. He he, he commands them to leave go, and then Jesus Christ controls their temporary destination, as well as their ultimate destination. Look, they knew that Jesus Christ could send them into the abyss, and that's what happens in the book of Jude. Lord, please, send us into the pigs. Send us into the pigs. He controlled their temporary destination as well as their ultimate destination. Jesus wasn't really worried about it because He knows what's going to happen to Him ultimately. Amen? He is in complete control. He is in complete power. You know, that. how many of you ever saw that movie, The Exorcist? Now, that was when I was a kid. I would have been in high school, so we weren't allowed to see anything like that. But I've heard about it. And all the things that went on, and you know, it's, it's always a priest or something, and that, that priest is many times powerless to deal with the satanic power. Uh, well, I can tell you what, Jesus Christ isn't powerless to deal with it. Do you remember when those guys tried to cast out demons by themselves? And these demons said, Jesus we know and Paul we know, but who are you? And beat them up. Uh, maybe we need to not go in our own power. Maybe we need to understand that Jesus Christ... Jesus Christ has overcome the world. We haven't overcome the world. Jesus Christ has. Amen? Amen. We need to realize that. So how are we going to deal with our society? How are we going to deal with people who have wrong ideas about how to fix what's going on in the world? It's got to be through the power of the Holy Spirit and through the Word of God. Look... uh, I watch these debate shows and I watch someone like Ann Coulter or someone else who's so brilliant and their arguments are so piercing and powerful and they persuade nobody. Why? Because debate doesn't lead people to Jesus Christ. Debate doesn't give people the truth. Jesus Christ does. The power of the Holy Spirit pierces that conscience, pierces that spirit. We've got to rely on the Word of God, not our own argumentation. Then number three, the amazing dullness. This is where we are. The amazing dullness of the general populace in the face of the unexplainable. These are the lost. These are the lost. Look at verse, 15, uh, verse 16. And they that saw it told them how it befell on them that was possessed with the devil and also concerning the swine. And they began to pray him to depart out of their coast. So here's what happens. Uh, look, look, listen. Everybody in this room just about could walk into one of these schools, like Sandy Hook, and say, look, we have the answer. We know what to do. We know what to do. And what will they do? They'll tell us to depart from out of their coasts. We can walk into the state house and we can say, look, we have the answer. We know what to do. You guys are crazy. No, look, we have examples of lives that have been turned around, lives that have been transformed, lives that have been changed through the power of the Holy Ghost. Get out of here. Yeah, you turned that kid into as much of a fanatic and crazy person as you are. What do we do then? So we have alternative schools. But in that alternative school, are we allowed to give the kids the answer to their problem? We're not allowed. We're not allowed. We have prisons. And in those prisons, there are jail ministries. But it is so hard to get into some of those jails and prisons to deal with those people, it's so difficult. Get out of here. We're not interested in you. We don't care about you. The amazing dullness of the general populace in the face of the unexplainable. These are the lost. But then I want you to see this. The amazing change Christ makes in the life of the lost this is love. Look at verse fifteen. They see what happens, they see him, look at what it says. And they come to Jesus and see that he was that he and, and see him that was possessed with the devil, and he had the legion, and had the legion sitting, clothed, and in his right mind, and they were afraid. Isn't it interesting that the lost are more afraid of the power of God than they are of the results of the power of Satan? It's an amazing thing. What does Jesus Christ do? He changes us. He changes us. What is there in your life that your friends can't explain other than the influence of the supernatural? What is there? What is there? that only God has done in your life? And your friends would say, man, something has seriously happened. Has He changed you? Has He saved you? You say, yes, He has. Well, have you made it public? If not, why haven't you? Are you ashamed? Why haven't you publicly declared what Jesus has done for you? Go home and tell your friends. Uh, I remember when I was uh, with Larry Clayton in Africa. And we they had asked us... Uh, I was there doing a discipleship training for about, I don't know, three or four hundred pastors and workers. Well, there was someone who had come to the meeting, and he asked Brother Clayton and I to come and preach at his church the next morning. So we get there, and it's like a a cement floor, a pavilion-type top, open area, probably six, eight hundred people there. And we walked in, and it was a crazy, wild, charismatic situation. People laying on the ground, jerking around, barking like dogs, and... It was just a weird deal. Well, Brother Clayton preached first and he stood up and preached a sermon on eternal security. It was unbelievable. He he just... I wish that you could see Brother Clayton because he comes here and you hear him preach and his messages are simple and helpful. You, you, You don't understand the amazing work that he does in the third world. He he just holds those people in the palm of his hand. And there were about 40-some people that tried to come forward to get saved at the end of that sermon. And the pastor of the church stood up and started saying, started yelling. We couldn't understand what he was saying. Brother Clayton turned around and said to him, You sit down. I want my translator. You sit down. And our translator told us later that this pastor was saying, Don't come forward. This man's preaching a false gospel. Don't come forward. And Brother Clayton, not understanding the language, through the power of the Holy Spirit, stopped that. And we had, I think, 36 people came forward and got saved then. And then I had to preach after Brother Clayton. I preached this message. Now, I want you to see, I want you to see what Jesus Christ told this man to do. Look at what it says. Verse 18. And when he was come into the ship... He that had been possessed with the devil prayed him that he might be with him. Okay, so here's this guy that's had the demons cast out of him. He wants to get in the ship and go with Jesus Christ. That would make sense, right? What does Jesus Christ tell him to do? Howbeit Jesus suffered him. He didn't allow him. He suffered him, but said unto him, Go home to thy friends and tell them how great things the Lord hath done for thee and hath had compassion on thee. Now here's where, this is where this comes in. Young people, all of you young people, here's the idea. How many of you are saved? You know that you're saved. you saved, you young people back here. Tim, you saved. Are you saved? You know Jesus Christ is your Savior. Look, here's what we're supposed to do now. You're supposed to tell your friends what Jesus Christ has done for you. That's what you're supposed to do. You're supposed to tell your friends what Jesus Christ has done. Now praise God, you guys are doing that. I've, I've heard that you guys are doing that. That's awesome. But what happens when you do that? You save somebody from becoming like Legion. What if there were Christian kids who came alongside that kid at Sandy Hook and even though he was odd, even though he was different, they loved him through the power of the Lord Jesus Christ. What could have happened? Look, the answer to society is not laws. What does the law do? The law kills. Is that right? The law kills. So, laws keeping us from having weapons to defend ourselves Virginia Tech, Aurora Theater, the mall in Portland. What happened to the mall in Portland? There was a guy who who had not seen the sign that you weren't supposed to have a gun there. And when that shooter, why was he only able to kill two people? Because this guy, he saw this guy pull his gun and pointed at him. He went around a corner and shot himself. Isn't it interesting? The laws that keep us from being able to defend ourselves, that's where they go. And the law kills. I want you all to understand something. The laws that keep people from defending themselves in those places are just as responsible as the one who went in and shot. We have to understand that. The law kills. The law kills. What saves? Grace. Jesus Christ and grace. You see, we won't save society through laws. We'll save society through the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, are we, do we, is there going to be a great national revival before Jesus Christ comes? Well, the Bible doesn't say that that's going to happen. But we can sure influence the people around us. We can influence the places where we work. We can influence the people around us. We can influence our friends at school. We can influence our friends on the job. We can go and tell our friends. That's what Jesus Christ tells people who've been changed to do. So He changes us and He controls us. He controls us. I can't remember if it was Jerry Vines or uh, John Phillips, but he he imagined and this is what it looked like. Let me read it to you. Can you imagine what it was like when Legion got to his own hometown? Legion is coming! Streets emptied. Doors were bolted. Then a little boy's voice said, Mama, it's Daddy. And he's got clothes on. His hair is combed. The boy walks cautiously toward him. The villagers began to ease out of their houses. In a moment, the boy was in his father's arms. He said, Daddy, you're different. The villagers say, What happened to you, Legion? He gives His testimony. This is what the Lord has done for me. (laughs) Amen. Thank you, Lord, so much for Your Word.